1965, two police officers in Houston, Texas were dispatched to an elderly couple's home for a welfare check. Inside, they discovered the butchered remains of the couple with no signs of an intruder. Theories range from revenge all the way to the JFK assassination, but the case remains unsolved. Today, we look at the disturbing case of the Icebox murders. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the podcast all about the unsolved mysteries of this world. Everything from true crime to cryptids to conspiracies to aliens to the supernatural. Oh, to random questions. (laughs) I am your resident mystery enthusiast, and joining me hearing this mystery for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. Hello. Welcome, Task Force. It's another week, another mystery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Not about the murders. But to see how this breaks down. Okay. Why are the cops going to someone's house for welfare checks? Good question. That doesn't that already doesn't make sense to me. Right. It's a red flag. Or is it a blue flag? I don't know. You know what? Any any flag you want, we'll put it up there. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. That's the number one thing that's on my mind right now. Okay. Is that like why do a house visit? To pick up an elderly, uh, to pick up Just a welfare check, on check? not a welfare check. Oh, a we- like a wellness oh, check. Oh, a wellness check. Oh, I thought it was like welfare. You know what I mean? Like they got oh, money. Co- oh, <laughs> cops got to get their cut. I was like, what the? That's hell? what you're thinking. Cops shaking around <laughs> oh. these elderly people for welfare checks, dude. I was like, oh, look at the cops first. <laughs> wellness check. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was very, I was like, that already doesn't make sense to me. The shaking down. I was wondering why you were getting so hung up on that, the welfare check part of it. That makes a lot of sense. I usually use the term wellness. You know, wellness. I will say welfare is defined by the health, happiness, and fortunes of a person (laughs) or group. So they are basically, it's like, I've only heard of wellness check, but I'm going on like welfare. Is that just. Spelled differently, or is it just spelled the same? Spelled the same, right? So it's, it's just so, using so, the fact that like the people, the family needs help with money. Yeah. It's a, it's like a homonym. Yeah. Situation. Okay. All right. Okay. Just, I was wondering why he wasn't going ham on JFK's assassination link. Yeah. Well, because so I was derailed. I was like, why are these cops <laughs> shaking people down? <laughs> okay. Like, okay. It, okay. Now All we right. Know. We're okay. back on the same I was, page. I was like, okay, it's a good detail to hang up on. Cause, <laughs> yeah. Because. I thought you were onto an interesting question. Like, why would a cop just do a random wellness check? And we're going to get into all but that. But also, now that is my question. But, but yeah. Why are the cops there still? Right. Because um, that's still a valid question. So that's yeah. my confusion. There was okay. confusion on confusion. There was. <laughs> I was. And we didn't even get to the JFK stuff. I'm just going to let that unfold on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have that sorted, I do want to say we have a true crime episode on our hands. Task Force, you know what you're getting into. But for the sake of everybody at home, we will be putting... A list of sensitive topics in the description, as we always do when they arise. You know to expect that. But this case gets gnarly. There's a lot of details going on. But I do want to say, if you want this podcast ad-free, if you want some bonus episodes, some bonus content of what we do at Red Web, in addition to a bunch of other stuff, you can go to redwebpod.com slash first. It's essentially our Patreon. It's a way to support us directly. It is the number one way to do so, in fact. Keeps the lights running. And now, officially announced, we'll build in a welfare center <laughs> right. on the third floor. Right. 
and you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes no. you'll get a check, and sometimes yeah, you'll get checked. Exactly. Yeah, you yes. might get paid, and you might get patted down. You know? It goes both ways. But we are currently remodeling subsurface level three. It's not yeah. that far down. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we took away the gym. <laughs> right, right. The gym had to go. But yeah, sign up, become a first member. You get access to that welfare center. <laughs> Everything the body needs. All right, let's dive into it. June 23rd, 1965, two police officers were dispatched for a wellness check to the home of Edwina and Fred Rogers in the Montrose neighborhood of Houston, Texas. Their nephew, Marvin Martin, was worried because he hadn't heard from his aunt Edwina in quite some time. They didn't answer their phone and seemingly refused to answer the door. We couldn't find exactly how long this went on, but suffice to say it had been multiple days. Yeah, long enough. I'm assuming anywhere between past a couple days to like weeks, you know, a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Captain Charles Bullock and his partner L.M. Barta arrived at 1815 Driscoll Street around 9 p.m. that night. And as expected, no one answered the door. The two police officers went around back only to find that the back door had been barricaded on the inside with flower pots. When they forced their way into the home, Bullock reported he immediately felt suspicious. Something was off. The house was messy, which Martin claimed was usual for the Rogers, but there was uneaten food left in the kitchen. At this point, Bullock opened the refrigerator, though he reports he wasn't sure why he did that. Sources debate exactly why Bullock would have opened the fridge. It may seem like an odd thing to question, but it's also an odd choice given the circumstances. Either way, it's important. I mean, maybe just to... The only thing I can think of mm -hmm. is you open the fridge to see if there's any spoiled foods because that could give you an indication of like how long. That's a great point. Right, without having like a corner on the scene. Yeah. And getting into the science of it all, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Check the egg dates. That I'm, dates. I'm just, you know, I'll see if anything's molding, see... If, that could that could give away a like how long people sure. you know I mean have been um, the house has been kind of like empty yeah or if it was pilfered in some way indicating yeah. someone had been staying there or maybe the officer was just hungry you know that's true late night snack but this is an interesting point and we're hanging we're laboring on it because of what comes next either way upon looking in the fridge they found practically all the shelves full of butchered meat which the two police officers believed to be unwrapped hog. Like hog meat that had been butchered and left basically naked on the shelves. Oh, okay. That was until right before they closed the fridge door. As the officer was turning away, they noticed something through the clear glass shelves looking into the vegetable drawers. Two human heads. All right, hold on. My thought process derailed there. Mm -hmm. um, the, it was first human heads. Shocking. Secondly, how big are those vegetable drawers? That's a good point. Mine aren't that deep. Like, damn. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't want to make light of the situation, but like, that's, I mean, vegetable drawers aren't usually that huge. Okay. That's a great, that's an interesting point. That's a weird sight. I would think it's in like there. crammed in there. I mean, yeah. it might, I mean, you know, some fridges do have large vegetable things, but I'm just picturing it squeezed in there now because of that. Oh, gruesome. Um, which is really gruesome. And my goodness, like what an extreme, and I say this all the time. Like it's one thing to take a life. It's another thing to perform the act of dismembering a body. Oh, yeah. That's just a whole nother level of sickness, but here we and are. The, and then storing it in the fridge Yep. thusly. So the officer later recounted that moment to Lakeland Ledger saying this, quote, I didn't know immediately what it was. Just as I was closing the door, I saw the heads through the clear glass of the vegetable bin. 
The heads belonged to, as you can surmise, Edwina and Fred Rogers. Their remains had been chopped up, drained of blood and entrails, then neatly stacked in the fridge. Fred's eyes and genitals had been removed and his entrails seemingly flushed down the toilet as they weren't anywhere on the premises. But otherwise, there was no blood in the house. So a professional did this. Someone being very meticulous, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Knowing a little bit about what they were doing here. Yeah, this isn't... Okay, so uh, yeah, I would say like professional or someone that's continuously done this. So already mm. my mind is wandering to like, is this like a hip man for uh, a group or for hire or something? Right. Because it isn't one of those things where you just go and do it. Like you've had to have practice. And to, to push yourself through, I mean, we're of sound mind and body, right? And yeah. as you're indicating, it's already a big hurdle to jump in and murder somebody. It's a whole other thing to continue to stay in that vein and carve the body apart, store them away. You're like, you are in the depths of uh, a, a territory I can't even understand. Yeah, right? I guess it's just Put, like, like doing this. It so has to be someone with just a lack of emotion or sympathy. Must be. Or, or like, there's a lot of things that we're gonna dig, dig into kind of in the theories, but I want you to hold on. God, to that. that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. So anything from experience to lack of empathy, or like it could kind of imply a motive. All those things we're gonna kind of come back around to. I'm just curious to try and figure out as the story unfolds what the motive is, because I mean, this is an older couple. So far, we're not talking about a big lavish house. No, um, or you know what I mean, kind like in the so, heart of downtown. Houston in the 60s, probably pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, so it doesn't seem like the motivation is money or whatnot, but I mean, I don't know, you know, we're still pretty early on to the mystery. Um, So I'm leaning more towards just standard home invasion. Well, tell me what you think of this. I'm going to add some more detail here because among all the body parts that had been butchered and stowed away, they never did find the couple's arms. Trophies? Like, I don't know, man. Like, this this is really weird. Yeah. On top of that, and eerily enough, the autopsy found that the couple must have been killed on Father's Day that year, and that whoever had done it appeared to have knowledge of the human anatomy. It also showed that Edwina had been physically assaulted before being shot in the head, and Fred's cause of death was bludgeoning to the head. Police did eventually find a small trail of blood somewhere in the house that then led them to a blood-stained keyhole saw in their son's attic room. That's right, their son had been living with them, up in the attic room, though he was nowhere to be found. And for what it's worth, a keyhole saw is one of those small handheld blades. It's got like a long, narrow, serrated blade, often used to cut holes in drywall, softwoods, things of that nature. Literally like cutting keyholes. Yeah. So was the son missing at this point? Missing or just unaccounted for? They don't know. Yeah. So considering their son, Charles Rogers, may be the only witness to this crime... Of course, immediately, a warrant went out for his arrest. And this is where the case really starts to focus now on Charles Rogers before we then dive into the theories as to what happened and what the motivations were for each of the theories. Could you imagine if, like, you were just a, a son on vacation and then, oh, like, you're coming, no. you're coming back, but not only do you come back to a horrific, you know, scene, I mean, you're not going to see it, but, like, you know, they're you like, land and you're arrested. You, you, but yeah, you land, you're arrested. I'm like, are you like, I, that would piss me off. Well, I I'll think you'd honest. have an alibi like, in that I, case. Right. You'd have an alibi and everything. But like, it's just one of those things where just like, 
I was just traveling for a vacation. I come mm. back, my my parents are dead in the most gruesome way, and like, like I get it. Like you gotta, you know what I mean. Suspects or you know, it's always the person closest to the family or the person or whatever. But I'm like, damn man, like that's just a terrible icing on the cake. Oh yeah, Charles is an interesting individual. That's an interesting hypothetical, but I don't know if we'll have one such positive leaning hypothetical with this with this case. Again, it's unsolved. Yeah. But there are yeah. various angles with which to look at this. So, Charles Rogers was actually the owner of his family's home and like his parents hadn't been heard from in a long time. Some of the neighbors had never even met Charles despite him being the homeowner. At the time of his parents' death, he would have been 43 years old and was said to be very intelligent. Charles spoke multiple languages. He had a bachelor's degree in nuclear physics and he was enlisted in the Navy flying planes in World War II. He also served in the Office of Naval Intelligence for a time. I mean, but none of that is anatomy smart. True. You know. True. Uh, of course, like, this is a person that's wired and very capable of accomplishing very complex things. Right. But that's a different breed. You know? Sure. So. But what's the difference between a human body and a, a nuclear fission engine? You know what I'm saying? Basically the same thing. Yeah, you know, it's one the same. <laughs> this is where if it was text form uh, I'd have to put slash et yeah. Um no you're right though I mean very uh, informed individual very smart I mean they could have been self-studied in, in a few oh, ways I don't uh, want to pull most, that away but most definitely but you're right but just looking at it from surface level yes you know professional experience is missing this item this kind of angle but after the war Charles actually became a seismologist until 1957 when he abruptly resigned from his job after nine years without notice so interesting oh. it is unknown why he quit and just for the sake of being thorough seismology is the study of what's under the surface of the earth by measuring vibrations on the earth's surface usually earthquakes things of that nature after that Charles reportedly grew more and more reclusive in fact, it was unknown whether or not he had a job at all at the time of his parents' death. Reportedly, he would leave before sunrise and return to their home after his parents had already fallen asleep. We'll kind of come back around and touch on this point a little bit more later. Okay, so Charles is a bit of a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be some stress with finances that could be popping up now um, because he's, you know, abruptly leaving a job. And it just kind of seems like hearsay, but I mean, also possibly not having one, but, you know, having a mortgage to pay, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah, it's great instinct. I mean, great thoughts for sure. Now, according to Rogers' maid, Edwina had not even seen Charles for five years. How? How is that even? What? That is pretty wild. So, again, I do also want to flag, because Christian pointed this out while we were doing the research. It is interesting, and we looked into it because, Task Force, you might have noticed an incongruity here, but like... The house was always known to be a little bit messy, yet they had a maid. I'm not sure if we can kind of really fully answer for that because they did actually have a maid, yet it was still like lived in. It wasn't like completely, you know, empty of like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. after a maid comes through, it's all like clean and sparkly. But did we ever like find anything to kind of answer for that? Was it like a less frequent maid or was it just kind of like certain rooms? No, we couldn't really find anything on how often the maid came by yeah, okay. if they focus on any specific areas of the house we we know that they had a maid but like you're saying we know that the house was also known to be messy so yeah it's kind of a interesting we don't really know I mean, well imagine it, how it would have been without the maid perhaps <laughs> yeah you i know? mean it could have been more of the lines of a caretaker yeah maybe. 
Taking out the trash, maybe helping with meals or something like yeah, that. And yeah, and less like upkeeping the house. Could have been. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to flag that because if anybody picked that up and then doubted that the maid was a true maid or anything like that, yeah, it would then suddenly a lot of this story would fall away, right? But again, according to the maid, Edwina had not seen her son in five years. And when he was home, Charles stayed in his room and only communicated with his parents by sending notes under the door. When investigators went to his room, they found a few things. In addition to that saw I mentioned earlier, they also found a hot plate, kettle, dishes, clothes, and ham radios. Weeks went by, and despite a nationwide search, Charles was nowhere to be found. Police even checked local airports to see if anyone saw a man that looked like Charles leave the airport since he would have known how to fly a plane. He became the main suspect in the case later known as the Icebox Murders, and ultimately there were no clues that could point to where Charles might have gone. In 1975, Charles Rogers was declared dead, and the family home was torn down. While it's most likely that Charles killed his parents and fled, it's unknown why and where he would have gone, though Charles Rogers was added to the FBI's most wanted list, and then the trail went cold. I mean, this could go so many different ways. Absolutely. I mean, he was announced dead just because we couldn't find him? Pretty much. I mean... That would have been 10 years after? Yeah, I mean, flee the country, change your identity, never look back, or the whole family was murdered. And then the body went missing. Charles' body went missing. You know, like if a professional came in, dismembered the parents, then took the body, I'm sure they know how to dismember a body down to smaller pieces and then, Mm. you know what I mean? Like get rid of it without it being found. And so then everything just kind of gets pinned on Charles, which is quite unfortunate. And then it's a huge tragedy to have the whole house torn down too. Yeah. Like, dang. Like it just essentially just seems like just wiped from existence, which is so gruesome. There's just so little to go off of. I mean, in the theories, I'm kind of playing the hand a little bit because um, we'll discuss all this, but like anything could have happened, right? As you said, he could have fled the country. He could have been coerced in some way or kidnapped in another way or, you know, taken to a second location and then been disposed of, right? Like so much could have gone on and there's so little to follow here. But that said... There are some interesting theories that attempt to, as always, connect the dots that we do have to develop a story that answers the question. But again, I will say, almost like a blanket statement for all the theories, very little evidence supports them all, though they are interesting in their own ways. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, what else do you have to go off of, right? Yeah. The number one suspect is missing. There's just seems like there's nothing that kind of leads you in any direction. There is no mysterious footprint or, you know what I mean? Like, right. It, it just, it was very cleanly done, which is a sad thing to say. And so I'm interested to see what the theories are. Mm-hmm. I don't expect much juice behind them, but um, they could be very curious. We'll see. We'll see. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at a price you'll like delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm-fresh ingredients, and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. 
I love HelloFresh. Their food is so good and they deliver all the key ingredients you need. No more grocery store trips for this guy. I just recently had a tangy plum Dijon glazed chicken. And I mean, if that alone doesn't sell you, oh my goodness, was it incredible. Love me some HelloFresh meals. Go to HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree and use code RedWebFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash RedWebFree with code RedWebFree. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Magic Spoon. If your New Year's resolution is to cut back on sugar, add more protein to your diet, or stay on track with your fitness goals, Magic Spoon makes that easier and more delicious than ever. Magic Spoon has a variety pack. The four flavors are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. And it's only 140 calories a serving. It's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, and it's soy-free. I think Magic Spoon is delicious. I'm a big fan of the frosted flavor, and if I can have a nice, sweet breakfast cereal while also giving me some protein so I can be more health-conscious coming into the new year, there's nothing better. Go to magicspoon.com redweb to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code REDWEB at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com redweb and use the code redweb to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. All right, so let's dive in, starting with the Gardenier theory. A Houston couple researched the Icebox murders in their spare time, so much so that they wrote a book on it in 2003 with their own theory. These were forensic accountants Hugh and Martha Gardenier, and they believed that Charles meticulously planned to murder his parents for years. The couple looked over all the archived records related to the case and the family. They claimed that Fred and Edwina were abusive and forced Charles to take out loans against the house, forging his signatures on documents and even stealing his money. This would explain why he constantly wanted to avoid seeing them. After interviewing relatives of the Rogers, Martha told KHOU, a local news outlet, quote, they really didn't have anything against the Charles for doing this. They could honestly see why it happened. The bold thing to say. Bold thing to say. I don't think, no matter how bad anything is, that taking justice into your own hands in that way would be, you know, you can you can sympathize with the, yeah. the, the pain of it all and kind of maybe the motive mm-hmm. but what a yeah it's kind of a treacherous thing to to step into claim uh, yeah it's just it's just one of those things where we're just like what i'm like you know me i like to get in these ed spaces and this is a weird one but like what would push me to do that to a human being i can't really think of anything but i was like well, if i had a child that person harmed my child like and that child's no longer with me I think you've got a real John Wick scenario about you. <laughs> Someone come in and I, talk about I, you know, I think touching I a, Boo or Liam, your little yeah, corgis. Yeah. <sighs> I think I have a very, like, if I have nothing else, I'm burning everything down. <laughs> right. You are very family-oriented. And if anything were to mess with that, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, scorched earth for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, to come out and say that, that's that's a little, you know what I mean? Again, yeah, like, yeah uh, you can sympathize with... I mean, even, even what I'm saying is like, 
the extreme of the extreme, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And like even then, like to actually perform it is a whole nother it's a whole nother mindset right level but there's being like totally understand why he did this it sucks what happened to yeah. him and then there's i don't feel bad for him making that call at all for for him right doing I the deed. coming from and, it, and, and it's more so just yes i get like there's probably like abuse um and this finance is tied to it but huh uh, yeah. yeah that's rough that's a rough situation to be in well, it continues to kind of unfurl a little bit. The Gardeniers also claimed that Charles was making money by working with the CIA while he was a seismologist. The Gardeniers say that Fred Rogers was active in illegal gambling and fraud. And at the time of their deaths, Fred would have been 81, Edwina would have been 79, and both were retired salespeople. So given their age and given their experience, it's debatable whether or not Fred would have still been in this illegal gambling fraud crime scene at this age. Either way, it could have been, I don't know. Again, it's just debatable, but it's an element to their theory. Dang, I think what's so unfortunate, it's just the fact that like, yeah, that's the number one suspect to look at and that's the only suspect to look at and there's probably good odds that, you know, he did something nefarious, but man, is this is the son's character just being attacked like because there's nothing to go off of and so it's just interesting to see like that's just kind of what happens right well People they are wanna... painting a background to say like well everyone around him was doing bad things so mm. it pushed him to do the bad thing so so his character's still kind of intact they're kind of yeah. giving him motive yeah i guess uh just the 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 more so the thing i'm trying to get across is the fact that like that he would be willing and able to do this. No, it's more so it's like their lives. Yeah. And people are just oh, like, yeah. this is my theory on what yeah. happened. Right. You know what I mean? And this is my theory on the character, them as a character. Right. But remember, these are people. Yeah. And, and also, again, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. the blanket statement is not a lot of evidence to support a lot of these claims among the multiple theories we have. Yeah. So you're not wrong. It's definitely throwing some stuff out there to connect dots at the expense of some people's yeah, character. The family. So let me break down the theory that they wrote into their book, including some of their findings. So the theory is that Charles had been planning the murder for years. He then fled the United States for Mexico with the help of some oil industry friends he met on his ham radio. The theory continues that he later got to Honduras before he was killed after an argument with miners. Not young folks, but like actual mining people. Reportedly, and this is based on a few things. Reportedly, some sources claim that rumors of Charles escaping to South America popped up within days of the murders. Additionally, the Gardeniers claim that an anonymous witness saw Charles in Honduras. This theory, and I'm trying to connect the dots on their behalf. I didn't read their entire book, but basically it's trying to connect some dots on a few fronts. Charles was a polyglot. He spoke multiple languages and it's possible he spoke Spanish. Charles was a seismologist so in addition to having a ham radio that he could speak to anybody with a ham radio in the area, he could have also developed connections in the oil industry via that job. In addition to that, I started looking into a ham radio, what the traditional, what the average range of that thing would be. And it's somewhere between 20 and 300 miles on an average modern ham radio. Oh, dang. But that is more than enough for yeah. him being in Houston to reach out to people on like oil rigs. And so if he did discover somebody in the oil industry who could help him, he's like 60 miles away from the nearest oil rig. Though, if he were trying to talk to somebody in Mexico, 
I kind of, as the crow flies, the nearest city on the border would have been about 300 miles away, which is really pushing, pushing the limits. It, yeah. But it's possible, right? Like, it's possible he met people on the ham radio, spoke to them, or he had pre-existing relationships. But either way, the theory was premeditated and then fled, with his motive being the financial elements, the abuse elements. Yeah. And then also possibly on top of that, the parents or Fred doing the illegal uh, gambling and fraud things. So Man, it's layered. It's, it's They're just throwing a lot of stuff onto the family. That's kind of what it feels like. And, and it's just like, he fled. I mean, I get there's... That one has some possible weight to it because there is an anonymous person that said they saw. But like ran into the miners and the miners killed them. It's just like, where is this all coming? A lot of it's like, where is it coming from? Again, yeah. there's like, you know, there's not much to go off of. But man, people were... I feel like people are just really running away with it. Yeah, it's really hard to track down anonymous claims internationally and rumors yeah. in the area. Well, these are people that are like writing books and stuff about mm -hmm. it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you they can just, question their motive. I mean, they're, they've got a financial stake in answering sure. or trying to answer this question. It's, it's an interesting theory. I yeah. think there could be elements of truth in it, whether they're accidentally getting into the truth or, right, right. you know, actually pulling things together. But it does feel a little bit like... Well, let's answer the why with three different air, like directions, You're but right. then also, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it is throwing a little bit at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. But now, oh, we're gonna get real interesting. We're gonna move on to the JFK theory. Now, before I do, I want to. I'm just curious if you can even like instinctively pull out find any of those out what the hell the connection is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Charles and had. I mean, he had a connection to the CIA and. Okay, okay. What was he, the one on the grassy knoll that pulled the trigger, and then he had to be, um, obviously, no loose ends type situation here? But then why go after the parents? I don't right. Know. I You're, don't know. He is talking about all the right things and all the right questions. Let's know. let's expand. <laughs> I love it. It's just, I was like, what is the wildest thing? I'm like, <laughs> yep. oh, okay. And you well, got it. But no way. More or less. That's all right. <laughs> so this is, in fact, a popular theory it states that Charles Rogers and the murder of his parents were somehow involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. On November 22nd, 1963, just a few short years prior to this whole crime going down, Kennedy, the president of the United States, was shot and killed during a motorcade through Dallas, Texas. Another major city in the state. Yeah. Not super close, not super far. Not close enough. Absolutely. There are many conspiracy theories surrounding the JFK assassination as it is... And I think someday maybe we'll dive into all that. But most famously, that the murder was planned and covered up by the CIA. You dabbled in the, the grassy knoll situation. That's also floating out there. Now, the 1992 book entitled The Man on the Grassy Knoll was written by investigators John Craig and Philip Rogers of the National Intelligence Service Bureau. They theorized that Charles Rogers was connected to the assassination conspiracy in some way. Now, they claim that he was a CIA operative. Earlier, I kind of mentioned that the Garniers had a theory that maybe he was also working with the CIA while being a seismologist, or maybe that was the cover. These individuals kind of maybe kindled that idea 10 years prior to their book. So, as it states, he was a CIA operative recruited in 1956 based on his background in naval intelligence. Craig said at this time, oil industry jobs were the perfect cover-up for working in the CIA. The authors go on to state that Charles even posed as Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico City, preparing for the assassination. Charles often drove to Latin America, and the CIA was active 
in this area throughout the 50s and the 60s. The theory goes on to suggest that Charles was one of the, quote, three tramps. These were the three unknown men arrested in Dallas shortly after the assassination. These men are often used as evidence in conspiracy theories that there were multiple shooters. Craig and Rogers claimed that friends of Charles compared him to one of the three tramps. So we have some loose odds and ends here. Yeah. Nothing like evidential, nothing substantial, but interesting. Now, perhaps this is why he was so secretive and did not explain what he did after his career as a seismologist. Theorists also claim that he communicated over ham radios with other agents, not so much maybe other people in the oil industry, but that was why and how he stayed connected to intelligence. But this main theory that we're talking about continues, claiming that after the assassination, Charles disappeared for five months and his mother grew suspicious when he returned. She began tracking his phone calls because he received so many and often had to take notes for him. The theory continues to state that maybe she eventually knew too much and he had to murder both of his parents before then going into hiding. If this was true, it's strange and quite excessive to dismember his parents before yes. putting them in the fridge. Or, I mean, to make it seem like it would have nothing to do with the CIA. Like, it just can't possibly be the CIA. They don't chop people up and then shove them in fridges. Not that you know. Who knows? The C in CIA stands for secret, okay? <laughs> so we don't know what they get up to. Okay, yeah, that's... All right. <laughs> that one threw me. <laughs> that, one, that one threw me. <laughs> um, but, but it's an interesting point. I mean, like, there's one thing to... to go, okay, this national security secret is so large, so substantial that I now have to make the tough choice of killing my parents. But beyond that, to then dismember them, put them in the fridge. I mean, it's not the, it's not like that was the end goal. Craig does claim that he intended to cut them up so he could then dispose of them in some way so he couldn't be tracked. But because something stopped him, that's why you caught him with bodies in the fridge. The arms were missing. Maybe he disposed of those, but hadn't gotten to the rest yet. So maybe being caught midway through just makes him look like he's dismembering people for other motives. I, I don't know. Again, I just feel like we're really just trying to fill in the gaps here. And I like I get it because it's not like, you know, it's nothing to go off of. But yeah, it's just really people just trying to put their, I mean, it's their spin on it. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, this is definitely their spin because they're you know, intelligence investigators. Yeah. So this is kind of in their realm. And so they would feel comfortable with kind of extrapolating some of those pieces. But they claim their evidence, though, when it comes down to it all, was based on interviews with, yet again, anonymous individuals, this time from CIA agents who interacted with Charles. So they're claiming that he did have a secret life with the CIA. There were agents that interfaced with him. And those agents themselves were willing to spill the beans. Okay. That gives me pause. It's interesting that, that, you know, that could have happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But if they're willing to spill the beans to somebody writing a book and then the information's out there, why is Charles killing his parents to keep the information, you know, secret? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, here's the thing, though. I know the agents are anonymous, but is it verified that they are CIA agents? That's a great question. You know what I mean? Because we don't know. Like, I need that at least. Right. Anonymous just, sources say I'm six foot seven. You know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise, if if that's if they're not verified as CIA agents, then we're messing up his red web, and we need to start bringing in uh, head of NASA. Right. You and know I've what I mean? actually met that guy. Pulitzer Prize winners. I haven't met um, those. Because and then just say yeah, you know, no, don't verify him, and, you know, and bring him in, and then just have him talk 
and talk and talk and talk mm-hmm. because like, apparently that's what people are doing. Right. <laughs> Just interview some Joe Schmo off the street and then mm-hmm. go, anonymous alleged CIA agent <laughs> Joe Schmo <laughs> yeah. said this. Now, there's not a lot to go off of and, I, and at, at the risk of saying this too many times, being redundant, essentially, there's no evidence really to back all this up. But one thing that to some helps substantiate this theory is okay. that and it's I'll just get ahead of it it does seem a bit thin it's based on trust but when this theory was presented in 1991 Houston homicide detective Jim Binford did take it seriously and that was reported by the Victoria Advocate and there's a lot of history with Jim Binford he is a homicide detective like I said but he has investigated thousands of murder cases and so for someone like that to have such deep experience I think he was the youngest detective to take on like to to spearhead murder cases in his department and everything so he's got a colorful resume um, that is well marked it's just um, you know if he's seeing uh, certain consistencies with this theory to real cases that that's something to think about yeah no definitely but anonymous CIA folks I don't yeah. know but that said let's move on to a couple of shorter theories. The most simple theory, and it is probably the most likely theory, is that Charles killed his parents out of anger before perhaps ending his own life. The Gardiniers might have been right about the abuse that Charles was victim to, especially since he owned the house, yet many neighbors had no idea he existed. With the murder occurring on Father's Day and Fred receiving more specific injuries, Fred may have been the main abuser. There could have been a very tense relationship there and it being on Father's Day is kind of a more significant moment and it could have been extra heated. Doesn't really try to spackle in the gaps at all. It just kind of states it as is. There could be motive in this way and maybe this is what he did. It means a very specific day. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he said the um, ex- more extensive injuries to the father. And it's definitely something to go off of, right? Yeah. And you can only go off of like what you have. And right. That's, we have very little, but that's something that we have. I mean, 100%. This does line up with crimes of passion, as it were, mm-hmm. um, if I'm not misusing that that uh, term, because the mother was shot in the head to essentially end it outright. Yeah. But the father instead was bludgeoned, which would take a little bit more, I don't know. Also, didn't, weren't the genitals on the father cut off? Yes. Interesting. And the eyes were cut out. Just on the father? That's what we know. I don't know if it's, it was it confirmed that. Because I know we talked about it on the father, but I don't yeah. know if it was confirmed on the mother. From what we could find, yeah, it was just the father that had the that level of dismemberment. Yeah. So, I mean, ex- okay. extra attention. Yeah, that is extra attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge, though. Yep. Um, so that, that does kind of lean into some type you of know, friction between yes. father and son. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's very interesting. Yeah. That's, that's, me to kind of go off with for sure yeah which does give does give way for some of the theories that people had absolutely um, absolutely so it I, could be what, I see the lane that they got into and how they got into it for sure for sure yeah so, okay no 100 percent. but then the other theory again just kind of a one sentence theory doesn't really go off of anything or extrapolate much further but it does say that perhaps someone else was in the picture killed the parents, and then took Charles with them. Really not based on anything other than attempting to answer this mysterious instance. Um, But that is the Icebox Murders case. Remains unsolved to this day. Some very interesting theories. 
As always, you know, we're going to analyze, we're going to pull things apart where we can try to debunk things if we can, leave them open if we can't. Just want to be honest about some of the potential assumptions made and the anonymous witnesses, but otherwise the theories are are interesting. Yeah, they're very interesting theories. And like, this is a very, I'm all baffled because like the case itself, it just seems so thin, right? Like mm-hmm. parents are dead, the son is missing, but there's there's possibly a lot of emotional weight to it. Definitely. A lot of emotional it, weight. Like, it, like really, like if you look at the details, it paints a bigger picture than than you think. And I think that's what makes this case so interesting. Do you want to recap some of those pieces that you're picking up on? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that like the body's being heavily dismembered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, more attention on the father's body. Right. The yeah. son missing. Mm-hmm. Um, the son being in the attic when he owns the house, never right. being seen. Um, then the son going missing. Uh, there's just, like I said, it paints a larger picture than, than you think. And I will say to add to that too. And it does kind of keep it in the family. Does keep it in the family. I know initially I was thinking, okay, maybe home invasion and whatnot. But I mean, like, yeah, the details does kind of wrangle it in to be something within the house. Absolutely. So it does paint a, a very vivid picture of perhaps some premeditation. Emotions were high. And on top of that, to add, you know, there was very little blood found. The cleanup was pretty thorough. As if somebody knew what they were doing, had experience with it, or had kind of looked into it in some way until just a small trail of blood led to that that keyhole saw. So in a lot of ways, this does paint, I think, a vivid image with which these theories are leaping off from. So they are leaping off of assumptions, but some intelligent leaps of logic, right? But yeah, tough case to leave closed or uh, open rather. For sure. And I mean, like, I mean, just to kind of like go over, because I'm still going over some of the details. I mean, like the missing limbs right the arms were missing and so that that just paints a whole nother rabbit hole of you said it was a relative that knocked on the door right yes i believe it was uh like a nephew or something yes mar marvin martin you know maybe charles was in the act and yeah like you're saying earlier already had disposed of the the arms and so it was just kind of cut short of like oh i don't have as much time as I thought I did, you know, maybe dismembered the bodies, did some cleaning, and then piece by piece was like, let me just piecemeal these um, different body parts out of here, as opposed to having to do a lump sum of like lots of weight and um, messier job and harder to kind of cover it up, right? Yeah. But if you're just taking little bags, which is sounds wild, but yeah. Fall of the House of Usher. Right? Yeah. That was one of the pieces that happened in there where they mm-hmm. were like, are you smuggling out bodies by little pieces in your purse? Yeah. I mean, and I hate to even bring up this topic, but I was kind of, as we looked into this, astounded that it wasn't part of it. And maybe that's just me seeing too many cases like this, but I'm surprised even cannibalism wasn't part of the picture. And I'm just going straight off of bodies in the fridge, arms missing, and honestly, like some of the utensils, hot plates, stuff up in the oh, attic. Oh, God. Yeah, I never think about that. You know, I, I can definitely see blood that and picture entrails, being like, painted. Yeah, for sure. Someone that eats people and has experience and yeah. Yeah. So, you. but this has been the Icebox Murders case. As cold as the name would imply. But Fredo, with that said, I'll see you right back here next Monday for yet another mystery. Mm-hmm.